Pray with me. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Holy Triune God, we come before you this morning and we praise you because you are always faithful to your character. We praise you because no matter what happens and no matter what we're going through, you will always be faithful to who you are. I pray, Lord, that the truth of who you are and, for what, and what you have done for us in Christ dives deep into our heart this morning through your word. I pray that you use your Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You can have a seat. So before we dive in, we have a couple of vehicles that are blocking somebody. Um, It's a white Pontiac Grand Prix, I believe, and a red RAV4. If you um, drive one of those vehicles and possibly um, double park someone, can you please move so that they can get out? Um, Thank you. (laughs) So with that being said, good morning, welcome. Glad you all are here. My name is Devin. I am a dude here at River City Church, and that's my official title that I made up first service for me. Um, but this morning, I have the honor of preaching God's word to you, and I'm excited about that. So today, we are in Psalm 92. If you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand, and Charlie and Brock will hand a Bible out to you. Uh, Psalm 92. As you're turning there and getting your Bibles, just want to give a little bit of background on what we're doing and on Psalm 92. So this morning is our third week in a sermon series going through the fourth book of the Psalms. Book four of the Psalms includes Psalm 90 through Psalm 106. And the theme of the book is maturation. And so our goal for our sermon series is for our faith to mature as we gain a deeper understanding of who God is and what he has done for us. Now, book four of the Psalms was organized as a collection of Psalms that was directed towards the Israelites when they were in exile or right after coming back from exile. Now, the Israelites they were brought into exile because of their sin. And literally, they were dragged with fish hooks in their mouths away from the promised land. And when they were in exile, they were heavily oppressed by their enemies who destroyed the temple. Now to the Israelites, the temple was a very important place because the temple was a place where God chose to specially dwell and be with his people. And so the worst part for the Israelites in exile is that they were separated from the presence of God. And I can't imagine their overwhelming feelings of loneliness and desperation. And the Bible tells us that they were asking questions like, is God true to his character? Is God true to his faithfulness? Have you ever asked those questions? Now, when you get to book four of the Psalms, that book is going to answer those questions. Now, this morning, we are in Psalm 92, 
And you can see that Psalm 92 was a song for the Sabbath. So this was a song that was used in the temple on the Sabbath day before the Israelites were brought into exile. Now the Sabbath was a day that was meant for the Israelites to rest in the works of God. And this psalm would provide the Israelites with a reminder of what Sabbath worship looks like. And so it would be really important for them to read it. So with that in mind, let's look at Psalm 92 together. And before we dive in, just a quick side note. If you look at the psalm, you can see that it says, um, in the ESV it's in caps, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. If you see those titles in your Bible, those are actually part of the text. If you see the title that says, How Great Are Your Works, that is not part of the text, that's the ESV translation. That's helpful, but not inspired. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath, that is part of the inspired text. So, Psalm 92, let's look at it together. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Psalm 92 is the word of the Lord to us this morning. An expectation is a strong belief that something or that something will happen or that something will be the case in the future. And expectations can be really interesting things. We all have expectations for a variety of things. Unmet expectations is one of the hardest things that we have to go through in life. The Israelites weren't expecting the devastation of being brought into exile. Our church wasn't expecting to go through what we've gone through in the last year. I wasn't expecting my vehicle to be totaled this week. You weren't expecting someone you know to get cancer. You weren't expecting a family member to die. You weren't expecting that you would live life with overwhelming feelings of depression and despair. You weren't expecting life to be so hard. 
Unmet expectations bring out a whole host of emotions like anxiety and frustration and fear. They can be really hard. But what should you do when you have expectations that are unmet? You should sing praises to God. You should sing praises to God. And the question you may be asking is, how can I sing praises to God when my expectations are unmet? How can I sing praises to God when life is so hard right now? Well, there are three reasons why we can sing praises to God in the midst of unmet expectations. And these three reasons are my three points this morning. So we can sing praises to God first because we can always expect the faithfulness of God from verses 1 through 4. Second, we can sing praises to God because we can always expect the justice of God, verses 5 through 9. And third, we can always expect the grace of God. So we can always expect the faithfulness of God, the justice of God, and the grace of God. Now, I owe, the, I owe some of my ideas for the sermon to a dear professor of mine, Dr. Mike McKelvey, so I just have to give him some credit. First point this morning, we can always expect the faithfulness of God, and this is going to come from verses 1 through 4. Our passage begins with the words, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. This would have been a great reminder for the Israelites, and it is a good reminder for us. The Israelites weren't expecting the devastation of the exile, and now they're being told, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Do you think that would be hard for them? In the midst of your unmet expectations, is it hard to give thanks to the Lord? This is exactly why it is good to give him thanks. Because when you give thanks to the Lord, it takes your focus off you and your unmet expectations and your pain, and it reorients your life on God. If we're honest, most of our expectations are like the seagulls from Finding Nemo. I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Mine, 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 right? Our expectations are all about me and me and me. But when we give thanks to the Lord, that places our focus on him, him, him. And this is why it is good to give him thanks. Now the word for good here in verse 1 it means more than normally how we use the word good. So for us, we normally use that word and phrase as something like, those mashed potatoes, they were good. They weren't spectacular. They weren't terrible. You know what? They were good, though, right? They were good. But that's not how the word is being used here. In this context here, good means glorious and spectacular and delightful. It is glorious and it is delightful to give thanks to the Lord. But it is also glorious and delightful to sing praises to his name. Now a name in the Old Testament was a very important thing that described the character of someone. In the Old Testament, God's name is the Lord. Now, as Pastor Jake said last week, if you see the Lord in all capital letters, 
That is referring to Yahweh. And Yahweh is the very special covenant name of God. And this name, it reveals his character. And you can sum up his character in the words, he is faithful to save and he is faithful to judge. Now, I got that phrase from Shai Lin. If you haven't listened to Shai Lin, I highly encourage it. He's awesome. But Yahweh, in his name, which reveals his character, means that he is faithful to save and faithful to judge. And here in verse 1, Yahweh is the Most High God, and it is glorious and spectacular and delightful to sing praises to his name because his name reflects his character, and he is always faithful to his character. My friends, you can expect the faithfulness of God. This is why it is good, as the psalmist continues, to declare his steadfast love in the morning and his faithfulness by night. So Yahweh is the covenant name of God, and his steadfast love is his covenant faithfulness. Just as his name reveals his character, his steadfast love and his covenant faithfulness describes his work. And when you put those two things together, that's where you can really get the definition of God and his faithfulness, that he is faithful to save and he is faithful to judge. Yahweh always works according to his faithfulness. He's faithful in the morning. He's faithful in the night. He's faithful 24-7, 365. He cannot and does not do anything outside of his faithfulness. We can always expect the faithfulness of God. And it is good, it is delightful, it is spectacular to declare the unchanging faithfulness of God. And we declare this truth when we sing praises to him with thanksgiving. Now as the psalmist continues, it is also good and delightful to sing these praises to music. Specifically in this psalm, on the Sabbath day, the the Israelites used a lute, which is a ten-stringed instrument, and they used a harp, and they used a lyre. And as if you explore the whole Old Testament, God's people used a variety of instruments to worship God. And today, we can use a variety of instruments to worship God. That's what those are for. And when we use these variety of instruments, we are declaring the truth about God, and we are singing praises to Him with thanksgiving. Now, one of the implications from all of this is that our worship music is meant to declare something about God. And what that means is, when we are singing praises, when we are worship, worshiping, it matters who we are worshiping. It matters how we are worshiping, but it also matters what we are declaring, what we are worshiping. In other words, our worship lyrics, they matter. It is good to sing praises to the Lord, declaring his covenant faithfulness and giving thanks to him because of his works. Look at verse 4 with me. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. The work of Yahweh always flows from his character. 
Yahweh always works according to his faithfulness. Now, I just put yourself in the shoes of the Israelites. They were either in exile or they just had gotten back from exile. Imagine them reading this psalm. They were brought into exile because of the faithfulness of God. God was faithful to his covenant by bringing his chosen people into exile. But they can look to his works and they can hear this psalm and they can trust that the name of Yahweh will ultimately bring them joy because he is not only faithful to judge, but he is also faithful to save. And we know this even more than the Israelites do because we know that God sent his only son to save sinners. And the name of God's son is Jesus. The name of Jesus literally means Yahweh saves. Jesus is Yahweh saves because Yahweh is faithful to save and he is faithful to judge. This is his work. And his work brings us joy. And this is why it is good and delightful and spectacular to declare his covenant faithfulness. Worshiping God rightly brings us joy because it takes our focus off ourselves and it puts it where it belongs, on the Lord Most High. My friends, your feelings are going to change. Your circumstances are going to change. But God always works according to his faithfulness. You will have unmet expectations, but you can always expect the faithfulness of God. If you think about the earth, it is constantly moving. It's constantly rotating on its axis and constantly rotating around the sun. Now the sun, in relation to the earth, it never moves. It is unchanging in relation to the earth. And in the same way, the faithfulness of the Lord never changes, but our feelings and our circumstances and our expectations are always changing. And what that means for us is that no matter what you're feeling, no matter what your circumstances, no matter what you're going through, you can always sing praises to the Most High God. You can always declare His faithfulness because that will never change. Even when your expectations are unmet, you can expect the faithfulness of God. And you can expect that it will always be good to sing praises to his name. It is good to give thanks to the Lord even when you're hurting. It is good to sing praises to the Lord even when it's hard. It is good to declare the Lord's faithfulness even in the midst of unmet expectations because you can always expect the faithfulness of God. You can also always expect the justice of God. So point two this morning, we can always expect the justice of God from verses five through nine. So it is good to give thanks, to sing praises, and to declare the Lord's faithfulness because his works bring us joy. It is good to do these things 
because the works of Yahweh are great. In other words, our response is good because the works of the Lord are greater. Look at verse 5. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. This verse is very similar to one of the greatest victory songs in the whole Bible in Exodus 15. This is coming right after the Lord saved Israel from the Egyptians, and they're singing this song of praise, and the Israelites proclaim, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You have stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed your enemies. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. In this great victory song, they were celebrating Yahweh's mighty works of deliverance where he destroyed his enemies and he saved his people. This song was a song celebrating God's justice. Now again, put yourselves in the shoes of the Israelites. Hearing this psalm in the context of being heavily oppressed by their enemies, or after having just been heavily oppressed by their enemies, what relief and gratitude it would bring to focus on the justice of God. They could sing praises to God because they could always expect his justice. My friends, we can sing praises to God because we can always expect his justice. And we praise him because his thoughts are very deep. In other words, his intentions are very mysterious. His judgments are incapable of being fully explained. Look at verse 6. The stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this. Throughout the Psalms, one of the greatest descriptions of the fool is the one who says in his heart that there is no God. The stupid man and the fool begins and ends with self and has no respect for God. In other words, the fool thinks and lives like those seagulls from Finding Nemo, centered on me, 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 mine, mine, mine. Now, this psalm makes a clear connection between the stupid man and the fool in verse 6 with the wicked and evildoer in verse 7. The stupid man and the fool are also the wicked man and evildoer because to live as if there is no God is the most foolish thing that any person can do. To place yourself at the center of the universe is both wicked and foolish. The fool cannot understand that although they sprout like grass, they are doomed to destruction forever. Now, the imagery of sprouting like grass in this context means that the fool will flourish for a short time, but ultimately will be destroyed. A couple weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 90, and Psalm 90 verse 6 describes this well. It says, In the morning, the grass flourishes and is renewed, But in the evening, the grass fades and withers. The fool cannot understand that although he seems to be doing well in this life, his life is a tiny speck in comparison with eternity. He cannot understand this because he lives as if he's the center of everything 
when in reality he's a tiny speck of grass in the midst of a huge universe. And because of his denial of God and self-centeredness, he is doomed to destruction forever. Now this self-centered mentality is a very dangerous, and the psalmist says, foolish perspective. But the psalmist also brings us the right perspective in verse 8, when he says, But you, O Lord, are on high forever. Yahweh is on high. And what that means is that he has ultimate authority as the supreme judge forever. The average American lifespan is 79 years. Seems like a long time. Part of me hopes that I don't live that long, if I'm honest. But 79 years is infinitely inconsequential in comparison to the eternal reign of Yahweh. And this is the perspective that we must have if we want to sing praises to God. The Lord is on his throne forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Nothing will ever, 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 ever change that. My friends, and if the Lord is on his throne forever, we can always expect the justice of God. But what is God's justice? According to Wayne Grudem, he defines God's justice as God always acts in accordance with what is right, and he himself is the final standard of what is right. God always acts in accordance with what is right, and he himself is the final standard of what is right. And in this context, God's justice means this, that the works, are God, works of God are great, and it is just for him to punish those who reject him. And because he always works according to his justice, his enemies and all evildoers will perish and be scattered. Now the word for scattered at the end of verse 9 literally means to be separated from one another. And the word refers to bones being dislocated from one another, which brings out powerful imagery of the Lord separating himself from his enemies. Being separated from God is a certain future for all evildoers and the worst tragedy for any human. And those who are separated from God, they will sprout like grass in the morning, but in the evening they will fade and they will wither. Now it's easy for us to sit here and read the fool and the stupid man and think, that's not me. I'm not the fool. I'm not the evildoer. But the truth that we must remember is that on our own, we are the fool. On our own, we are alienated from God. We are separated from God. We hate God and we do evil do- deeds. On our own, we are the grass that withers because God is always just in punishing sin. How do you feel about singing praises to God's justice now? That's hard for us, right? But my friends, praise God that his justice always works in tandem with his faithfulness. Because God in his faithfulness and in his justice sent his son to the cross to become an enemy of God so that through him we can be reconciled to God. Yahweh, who is on high forever, stepped down from his throne to become God's enemy 
on the cross. Remember that Jesus is Yahweh saves. And Yahweh saves like this. He becomes the sin of his enemies so that through him we can be reconciled with God. My friends, Christ was separated from the Father so that we can have a relationship with him. And I know you're thinking, I've heard that before. I know that. But it's good for us to remember where we came from so that we can sing praises for God's justice. Because it is through faith we are saved. Being united to God is a gift that we can only receive by faith. And it is by faith that we can understand that God is always just. It is by faith that we can always expect God's justice. And it is only by faith that we can sing praises to God for his justice. What does this mean practically? Anytime and every time we sing praises about the cross of Christ, we are celebrating God's justice. We can always expect the justice of God. We can also always expect the grace of God. So a third point this morning. We can always expect the grace of God, verses 10 through 15. So God will bring the fool and evildoer to eternal destruction because of his justice. But for those of us who are in Christ, look at verse 10. But for those who are in Christ, the Lord will exalt their horn like a wild ox and pour fresh oil over them. You're thinking, yeah, I've been wanting that my whole life. He will exalt our horn like a wild ox. What does that mean? This is actually a really beautiful picture of God pouring out his grace on his people. The wild ox here refers to a giant rhinoceros that has one huge horn. And if, you, if you're kind of a nerd and like word studies, in the Greek Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, my English translation of the Greek, if that's confusing, it says unicorn. It says unicorn. Literally in Greek, one horn. So that's kind of fun. Not the unicorn that you're thinking of, but think of a giant rhinoceros with a gigantic horn. And what, what is saying here is that we will be exalted as high as this giant horn on this giant rhino. But oil will also be poured over us. Now, in the Old Testament, oil was poured out on the foreheads of guests in order to honor them and welcome them into the home. Oil was often poured out of a horn. So you got the double imagery going on and in this context, the oil being poured out on someone represents God's divine blessing on them. If you trust in Christ, you can expect God to pour out his grace on you. Well, what is God's grace? God's grace is not only undeserved favor, it is demerited favor. So God's grace is undeserved favor, which means that it's favor that we don't deserve, but it's also demerited, which means that it's, we're receiving favor when we actually deserve the opposite. An example of this would be if I just got a toy for my son just because I love him. If I gave him a toy 
That would be undeserved. He didn't do anything to deserve it. That's undeserved favor. But if he takes that toy and he purposely throws it and stomps it and breaks it into a thousand and one pieces, and then I go and get him a bigger and better toy and bring it to him, that is demerited favor. Because not only does he not deserve the toy, he deserves discipline. My friends, that is God's grace. Getting not only what we don't deserve, but getting the opposite of what we deserve. And the Lord pours out his grace on his people so much so that his people will see and hear the downfall of their enemies. Now, again, this is probably hard for us to understand. But remember the context of the Israelites. They're either in exile or right after exile. They were heavily oppressed by their enemies. And so to see and hear God pour out his justice on their enemies would have given them deep peace and rest. Another way to say this is that when God pours out his justice on his enemies, he's pouring out his grace on his people. When God pours out his justice on Christ, he can pour out his grace on us. God is always just. He is always gracious. And those two go together like peanut butter and jelly. And both of those two things together bring the believer in Christ hope because it means that God will ultimately and completely destroy all evil. Can you imagine a world with no evil? It's hard to imagine, isn't it? My friends, expect the grace of God. It is God's grace that distinguishes the fool from the one declared righteous through Christ. The fool flourishes for a moment like grass that withers, but the one declared righteous through Christ flourishes like the palm tree and grows like a cedar in Lebanon. Again, you're probably like, okay. But this imagery is actually so beautiful. Because the righteous are planted in the, court, in the house of Yahweh. They flourish in the courts of God. Now, if you're reading in the Old Testament and in the Psalms and you see the house of Yahweh in the courts of God, that's referring to the temple. And again, the temple was a place where God lived on earth. It was a place where God chose to put his special presence to be with his people. Now, the temple of Solomon, one of the main things that was used to build it were cedars from Lebanon. And what the psalmist is saying is that his people, the righteous, are planted in and will flourish in the presence of God. What a beautiful picture that is. But wait a minute. The Israelites who are reading this, the temple has been destroyed. The temple that was built with the cedars in Lebanon, that has been destroyed. And they have been separated from the presence of God because the temple is no longer there. What a game changer hearing and reading this psalm would be. This psalm would bring them the proper perspective that God wants to be with his people and his people will only flourish in his presence. In the presence there is fullness of joy. In God's presence there is fullness of joy of joy. God has always wanted to be with his people. 
That is one of the main points of the whole Bible. And we see this fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who has another name. His other name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. This means that if you trust in Jesus Christ, God is with you. This is the heart and the center of God's grace, God being with you. So when you're faced with unmet expectations, you can always expect the grace of God. When you feel lonely, God is with you through Christ. When you feel separated from God, when you feel distant from him, know that God is with you through Christ and he promises to be with you until the end of the age. No matter what you're feeling, the reality is is that God is with you through Christ. God is with us now in Christ as we wait to be with him face to face. The temple was always meant to point to the reality of being in the immediate presence of God for all of eternity in the new creation. In the new creation, there will be no more unmet expectations. Can you imagine that? If you are in Christ, you can expect to be in the presence of God because you can always expect his grace. And when we sing praises to God, we are declaring the reality of who God is. That he is upright. He is our rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. Another way to say this is, God is always faithful. God is always just. And God is always gracious. And my friends, this is what you should expect. Therefore, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your unmet expectations are, you can sing praises to God. Singing praises to God actually changes our expectations. The thing is, we expect God to treat us like seagulls according to what we want when he actually wants to treat you like a son or daughter of God. And when we sing praises to him, it gives us this proper perspective. It gives us eternal expectations. And we can rest deeply and truly in eternal expectations. I don't know specifically what will happen here at the future of River City. I don't know what will happen with my car situation. I don't know what will happen with your unmet expectations and your hardships. But what I do know is that God is always faithful. You can expect that. I know that God is always just, and you can expect that. And I know that God is always gracious, and my friends, you can expect that. And with those expectations, no matter what happens, you can sing praises to God. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you that we can sing praises to you. 
We thank you that we can always expect you to be faithful, just, and gracious. Forgive us when our expectations have been centered around ourselves and not centered on you. I pray that through your word you give us a fresh glimpse of who you are so that we can reorient not just our lives or not just our expectations, but our lives around the truth of who you are. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.